do it live. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Tax Security Podcast, being taped on location at Cisco Live 2014 in San Francisco. Beautiful Sunny, San breezy, beautiful San Francisco. All those things, San yep. Francisco. And uh, we are here at Cisco Live to, um, well, what are we doing here at Cisco Live? We're teaching? We're, we're, we're teaching, we're learning, we're, we're experiencing. Yeah, I think great. that's the best way to describe it. We're experiencing the magic that is Cisco Live. So, so far, it's really good. Um, it's beautiful here in San Francisco. Uh, Today is Tuesday, and uh, our NAT lab and our troubleshooting lab for the ASA went well yesterday. No networking problems or anything like that, so that was good. We survived. We survived. And uh, so uh, we've got some talks. I've got a talk tomorrow on troubleshooting ASAs, and you've got a talk on Thursday on... Content filtering in the enterprise. Content filtering in the enterprise, which is going to be good. But Not um, 90 minutes of how to filter adult-themed material. That's right. But No well, demos. No demos. What we're here right now to do is to talk to some uh, Cisco Live attendees about their experience. So with us here, we have Jason, Jason Alert from Unum, is that right? Unum, yeah. Unum, and you, uh, your Twitter handle is? Routing Ninja. Routing Ninja. So uh, Unum, what, what exactly does Unum do in a few words or less? Uh, Fortune 500 insurance company. Okay, sounds cool, sounds cool. So what do you do for Unum? I'm a network engineer. Okay. Uh, design and uh, optimize LAN, security, uh, a little bit of data center. A jack of all trades, if you yeah, will. Yeah, I can't spell voice, though, so don't even. <laughs> that, it's the I and the O always mess me up. But uh, one thing stands out here. So for those who can't see, because this is a podcast, it's audio only, Jason is wearing a fluorescent bright yellow cape that says hashtag CLUS on the back, I think? That is correct. Why in the world are you wearing a cape? Which uh, you cannot miss, I must say, no, from it's, it's about two miles away. Yeah. Believe it or not, this was actually an award. It was a uh, prize for uh, okay. being the uh, social media superhero for Sunday, the, for the first oh, day of Cisco okay. Live. So. so how do you become a social media superhero? Uh, you write the most meaningful tweets, apparently. All right. And now, you obviously, you know where the question's going to go. What was your 140 characters or less masterpiece? Well, there were about 70 or 80 of them, so... Uh, that, that doesn't count. You can't just multiply it. That's not how Twitter works. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Congratulations on Thank you. victoriously winning the cape. Thank you. There's one every day, so uh, you'll see other people walking around in incredibly embarrassing bright yellow uh, capes. So all the same color? All the same color. Yeah, they all oh. look exactly the same. Okay. Kind of like the Tour de France, but they exchange the jersey though, yeah. right? The Tour de Bright Yellow guys. <laughs> Well, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So Cisco Live, it sounds like, is going great for you. Having a good time? Oh, excellent this year. Wonderful. What are some of the sessions that you've been to that have stood out for you or have been really interesting? Well, I was in your uh, ASA Net Lab yesterday, which was uh, excellent. Um, definitely cleared up some of my issues with uh, the route lookup feature of the uh, Twice Net. Fantastic. Yeah, and if I'd listened to the security podcast where you went over Net, I probably would have <laughs> already known that. So. I'm a little behind on the podcast. I apologize. So how many times have you been coming to uh, Cisco Live here? This is my third year. So third year. Next year, I'll get the uh, Groovy NetVet uh, mm -hmm. band. and uh, What keeps you coming back? Oh, it's the atmosphere, the uh, learning, um, the prizes, definitely. I mean, that's, that's what, I'm, that's <laughs> what everybody's here yeah. for, the capes, exactly. You come for the cape, and you stay for the classes. So, so we have a lot of listeners that have never been to a Cisco Live. How would you kind of describe what this is? Uh, it's the coolest, you know, five days of, you know, 20,000 really geeky network people hanging out together and sharing and uh, just just having a good time and learning. Yeah. 
you know, and uh, I wouldn't miss it. Every year, it's it's on the calendar. Awesome, awesome, very good. Do you have any shout outs that you want to give? Uh, just a shout out to my guys at Unum. Um, my former, um, I'm actually former TAC. Ah, so awesome. I, so I, I can uh, claim that. And uh, JYT, he couldn't be here. He's he's teaching Ike too. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's right. Yeah. He's another one of the VPN security nerds out there. That's, That's right. right. Guest on the show at times, too. Yeah, he'll probably even possibly show up here today. Might be. Who knows? The magic of the Internet. That's right. Well, thanks so much for stopping by, Jason. We really appreciate it. All right, thank you. Yeah, thanks for stopping by. Guess who I found in the halls? Who? Jeff Shutt. Uh, Jeff Shutt! I was going to say John Chambers. Hello, hello. So, Jeff, uh, tell us what you do at Cisco. So, I'm on the IoT services team. And we focus on the energy utilities, oil and gas, manufacturing and transportation. And we're focused on helping them solve the IoT challenge. Okay. So specifically, I'm focused on the security challenges that come with IoT, connecting all these sensors to the network. Okay, that, uh, you know, and I hear a lot of talk about the security you know, implications of getting all these sensors connected and stuff. Give us a real world example of something somebody's actually done that implements security for IoT to get sensor data aggregated or something. Well, the best example would be where we connected 1.8 million smart meters oh. uh, in BC Hydro's network. Cool. Each one of them gets an IPv6 address. They all get routed up to a head-end infrastructure. There's uh, security at every part. There's security in the meters, tamper-proofing, et cetera. There's security in the CGRs. Uh, What's a CGR? The connected grid router. Okay. Yeah, so that's yep. what aggregates all the different smart meters together. They build a wireless mesh that connects to that CGR. Okay. And then we aggregate that data and we set it up over an IPsec tunnel to uh, VPN aggregator, ASR, and from there we can communicate back and forth between the end meters and the head-end system where. And so by connecting the meters, you eliminate all the uh, people that had to walk around and manually read the meters, right? That's it, that, that is the use case. So there's two so use cases. So much more efficient, right? Saves mm-hmm. money, saves people's time of going out and It's automated, that's it, right. right. We can automated do meter everything. reads multiple times a day depending upon what the customer wants. And then also, uh, we can deploy these connected grid routers, not just uh, there to aggregate meter data, but we can put them within the power grid distribution network. Mm -hmm. And so when we do that, we can detect theft of electricity because we can aggregate uh, all the total electricity flowing from all those meters at the end consumers, and then the the amount of electricity that's flowing from the transmission and distribution network down. So you know, you can narrow down where the theft is occurring. Yeah, exactly, because you have two different points along the electric grid, and they should add up together, right? Something that wasn't possible prior to IoT for the electrical grid. That's exactly right. That's a very cool use case. Mm -hmm. Security and enforcement, (laughs) and internet. So one of the biggest challenges that our customers have is, uh, we're not just talking user authentication, we're talking device authentication. And we need to ensure that we have you know, Cisco secure development lifecycle to make sure that uh, the software uh, is authentic and there's no tampering uh, of the devices. So when we deploy these routers, they go to manufacturing at the utility company to get utility specific certs- certificates installed on them. Uh, so, but that's a big challenge is the PKI infrastructure that they have to maintain in order to allow uh, device authentication to occur. Millions of device authentications, that's cool. Millions of certificates, that's right. Yeah. So do you think this is something that's going to continue to roll out? I mean, I guess connected grid is something that's going to happen and it's, we're going to see it just proliferate you know, throughout the industry, right? I mean, Yeah, it already has proliferated. I mean, there, there's, um, I don't remember the numbers, but smart grid you know, already exists. Uh, it is absolutely uh, adopted all across America because of government regulations, but that now it is spreading through the world as well. We have engagements overseas. 
So what's next? What's the next uh, technology that's going to be IoT enabled that you see? Um, so here's a, another use case uh, in the manufacturing uh, industries. We can connect all the tools uh, that connect um, that are the tools and the sensors that are used along the manufacturing lines all require cabling, and it's not just power cabling, but it is also uh, Ethernet cabling uh, connecting all these PLCs, programmable programmable logical controllers, and so. If we can do all that wirelessly, we can save a lot of re-cabling costs when we need to revamp that manufacturing That's floor. a lot of copper, too, if you think about it. Connected Rail is another good example. We saw the positive train control example that John Chambers uh, demonstrated at the keynote yesterday. Uh, we specifically addressed that. Um, one of the big things there is we want to be able to provide uh, secure access to these process control networks along the train at the same time as we we'll want to leverage the same network infrastructure to do to enable a passenger train to allow the users to communicate to the internet. But there's huge security risks there, of course, right? Sharing that network, yeah. We need to share the network from a business perspective to save costs you know, and leverage the technology in multiple ways, but not allow those users to get access to that process control network. Cool. What do you like best about Cisco Live? Oh, the people, all the customers. It's great to see everybody. There's always someone interesting and new to talk to. Well, cool, Jeff. Thanks a whole lot for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. We think uh, you, an old tech alum like yourself is branching off and doing uh, really cutting-edge stuff with connected grid things. So that's great. Great to see. Glad to be here. Thank yep. you. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Thanks for Jeff. Yep. Thanks. Next up. Whoa, that's what you laugh. <laughs> Next up, Mr. Joe Clark. How's it going, Mr. Joe Clark? Very good. Thank you for uh, pulling me in here. <laughs> yeah, excellent. It, it was a combination of both pulling and pushing, but ah, uh, I, was, I'm hoping right. it's mutually enjoyable for all parties. So, Joe Clark, uh, for those of our listeners who don't remember the many times you've been on our show, tell them who you are and what you do. Um, that's a loaded question. I'm Joe Clark, uh, Distinguished Services Engineer with Cisco. I've been in the TAC now for going on 16 years. June 1st will be my 16-year anniversary. My area of focus is network management and now the uh, embedded automation and this thing we call software-defined networking or network programmability. Okay, so one thing we'd love to get an update from you on when we talk to you at Cisco Live is the network here and yep. the NOC. So how are things running this year? Pretty smoothly? Seems like... Good. So far, so good. We've had the usual problems with uh, vendors who will uh, put their switch on a power strip and turn the power strip off when they go home. But all in all, we've had a fairly uh, hey, reliable show. They're just trying show. to conserve power, right? Smart energy. <laughs> no, <laughs> green. But but green. It's green in the power. In the knock, it turns red, and we go. Oh, that, that, that's when things get scary. Uh, but uh, we do have a lot more bandwidth this year. We've got 20 gigs provided by CenturyLink, All right. as, as opposed to anything we've had in the past. Actually, 22. But we're using about 20. And I've they got a pool going. Uh, to say what's the Mac going to be the peak bandwidth? I said 10 gig. I might be insane, but I'm standing behind it. So if all your listeners out there want to just spam the network as Tomorrow best they can. Tomorrow at 2 p.m., yeah. everybody, everybody jump on. Find your favorite cat video yeah. or something. Just yeah. BitTorrent in the, in the Marriott, in the, in the north-south, in the west, and then in the uh, WAS, and uh, we'll hit it. We'll distribute so, yeah. that load, we'll hit it. So are we monitoring what this network traffic is? Yes. Okay, so what is it? Uh, most of the traffic on the network is HTTP, HTTPS, and VPN right about now. And where are people going? 
where are people going? We have uh, we have some uh, prime infrastructures using uh, the uh, MSC capability to do location services. So we have some interesting heat maps. Yesterday we took a heat map when John Chambers' keynote began, and you could see the people, the big sort of like viral blob in the uh, keynote area bleeding out into the big Whoa, screens we have right cool. in the north-south hallway. And then uh, when we open the world of solutions, we have that same kind of, of, of conglomerate heat map. So we are definitely tracking the hot spots in the show. So you were tracking associations or like real-time usage? Real-time yeah. usage, wow. real-time. Based on where they were standing and what AP they were connected yep. to. Real-time presence cool. uh, based on the fact that we loaded the maps of this venue into the MSC so we know exactly where people are and where their, their Mac is, where their client is, yeah. That's insane. That must give you the most strange organic motion of people. That's like big data on a small but big scale. It, it, there is no network that, that compresses this many people into such a small space. So we scale very differently than most, most networks. So where are they all going? What destinations are they going to? Are we tracking that at all? Um, we are tracking, so we, we have this thing uh, in MSC called the CMX and, and the analytics capability. So we are able to track where they frequent. Um, I haven't looked at all those reports yet, but we have a, a session on Thursday, a panel session, where uh, the guy Mira Lamy, the TME who's looking after that, he's going to show some of the reports about where people went in the, uh, in the venue. Okay. Any surprises? Uh, any trouble? Mm, failure? Uh, failing devices? Um, we we've had some cut cables. Uh, a lot of that actually. We've had some switches that that died. Uh, we did uh, hit some. So we we have a lot of automation going into the show. So we do see some interesting uh, bugs here and there. So we've got a, a fairly. Um, a reliable image on our switches that we've settled on, a 12.02 uh, uh, SE5. And so, so far things have been reliable, we predictable even, which is terrifying. So <laughs> something is bound to Something's happen brewing. at any moment. No, I think it's great. I mean, Did you really say 12.0? Oh, I'm sorry, 15.0, sorry, thank you. 15.02 uh, SE5. For a moment there you broke David's brain. Yeah. Like his brain just stopped. I mean, yeah. We we think we, we we were going back to eleven too. We think there's some reliability <laughs> in all that. <laughs> I was like, really? <laughs> That's cool. I've already had two sessions today and to meet the engineers, so uh, the numbers don't always flow correctly. What what was the most interesting question a customer's asked you to today or this uh, week? Interesting question is is probably relevant. I I, I or, or relative. I think the. Um, the, the DPSS, the Data Path Service Set session I did this, this morning was probably the most interesting because we showed some scary and yet very potentially cool things you can do with iOS and 1PK. And, and the idea of customers wanting to do some interesting use cases by integrating uh, a 1PK application so their users can pick uh, specific things they may want to monitor, specific traffic they may want to inject in the network, and have that tie into EEM on the device to be able to, to leverage some of that and deploy some of these uh, customized templates. I thought it was a fairly interesting case. We brainstormed what a customer and I did together. Uh, but I, I guess some of the other questions about prime infrastructure may not be as relevant, but uh, I'm sure that the knock session will get some very interesting, fun type questions. Yeah, I'm looking mm -hmm. forward to that one. Um, it's just great that the network's been up, and thank you for having the network up during our remote lab. That was excellent. We had no problems there. We aimed there. to please. Yeah, it's good. In fact, we specifically said every year, David always says, Joe, 
the network was down on the last. Why didn't you call me? So this year I said, well, he's not going to call me anyway, so let's make sure the network's up. And that way <laughs> when I see him, he's going to go, that was amazing. We love you, and here's $1,000. Yeah, I actually saw you walk by. I was FaceTiming with my kid over the network. Oh, that's right. And I, w I didn't know if you were... Doing I mean, a selfie? <laughs> that or, or David you doesn't were on, know what a or insane. Is. Or you were like on a web. I was like, oh, I don't want to get in the way of that camera. That might be. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm glad that, that the network has been stable for our attendees That's and you right. guys. All 20,000 plus. And yeah. we have, we're, we're IPv6 ready. Uh, I saw Phil Remaker tweet out that we're looking good. Uh, yes, we, stack. we have IPv6 uh, Slack. And uh, we're, yeah, we had. Um, we had some reports of issues in West yesterday, but I think we've got all that sorted out uh, with IPv6. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm testing it at home between my home and here, and yeah, it works. Really cool. Well, Joe, thanks a lot as always sure. for stopping thanks by. Thanks for having Congratulations me. Congratulations to you guys in the knock for keeping it all live. Yeah, That's right. well, we've got a few more days left to go. Even though John stopped talking, uh, we still have to keep the network up <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks well, a lot. Thank you very thanks. much. Have a good rest of the trip. Thanks, you too. All right. Here we are. Uh, Brian has joined us. And Brian, why don't you tell us, uh, our listeners, what you do and what you're here at Cisco Live for? Okay. I'm a solutions architect. I design uh, uh, systems, data centers, voice communications, uh, security things for uh, different customers throughout uh, North America. And I'm just here to get up to date on some of the newer products and capabilities from Cisco, as well as ask some pretty pointed questions of different uh, product <laughs> managers and uh, what other victims like. Break them over the coals. When are you going to support we X? <laughs> we want X. Yeah. Well, uh, so what's been the most interesting to you? What's the sessions you've seen? Or uh, actually, my best thing so far is I got some good time to sit down with one of the product managers for the Catalyst 6800 line, okay. the instant access switches. Um, that's some technology I really like and I see having a very good roadmap. Okay. But I also got some time with someone to talk about uh, VPN, dynamic VPN out in the field. And FlexWAN looks like that's going to be a very useful technology, especially with the adoption of performance routing. Okay. So as that uh, starts getting more popular, I think there's going to be a bigger demand for dynamic VPN. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Who did you talk to? Uh, I don't, a couple nice guys, uh, Sam and Mike. Sam and Mike. Mike uh, uh, Mike Sullenberger, potentially? It might have been. Did he have a beard, kind of a scruffy beard? Hmm. He had a firm handshake. Does that count? That sounds like <laughs> Mike Sullenberger to me. <laughs> so, Well, uh, you uh, stopped by our little podcast recording area here, and you came up to me and you said, I have a very tough Cisco-related security question. Okay. And I said, all right, lay it on me. And he started to explain it, but I'd like him to repeat it. And David, I'd like to get your answer to it. Oh, no. I'm putting you on the <laughs> spot, it's David. It's called a hot seat. All Let's right. Let's talk. Yeah. Prepare for the bus. So to give you a little color, um, I recommend to many people when they start talking about antivirus, for example, that they look at deploying one antivirus solution for their desktop and laptop computers, and then deploy a second solution from a competing vendor on the servers. This way, when there's a new virus, new malware that comes out on day zero, there's always a race between the manufacturers on who's going to detect it first, who's going to stop it first. So, if the vendor that makes the server or the vendor that makes the server wins that little race, the virus comes in, it gets into the inside of the network, your servers are protected. If it turns out it's the laptop and desktop guys that detect it first, um, it never gets to the inside of the network because it's been stopped before that point, and your servers are safe by extension. 
So I think it's a pretty good approach. I kind of wonder with so many exploits being out there, malware and other things, um, what do you think of the same type of approach of doing a ASA you know, X series with IPS and then on the inside, you know, maybe in front of just the servers, a slightly smaller firewall from a different competing vendor? Yep, so then you would have both client or server-based AV as well as IPS protection for the network, right? As stuff goes by on the network, right? So typically in security, right, um, a lot of studies have been done that say when you mix vendors around a security policy, you end up having more holes or vulnerabilities in your network. However, I don't think that that applies to antivirus and IPS, right? Because, you know, the config there is really more whitelisting, blacklisting, or identifying things. You're not really applying a policy necessarily to block most of the time, right? So I think it's completely valid that vendors react at different time periods to different, um, you know, malware or viruses or targeted attacks, right? So having having uh, more than one vendor, I think is fine, right? Um, you know, most of the top name vendors are pretty quick to respond around the same time for a known issue, right? Something that gets yeah. public, you know, they're, they're all within, you know, a few hours of publishing an update out and, and updating it, right? I think, you know, the bigger concern is how do you detect things that aren't known, right? Mm -hmm. You know, closer to the zero day um, yeah. activities, right? And what can you do and what can you apply in your network to, you know, be more um, on, the, on the forefront of trying to detect and uh, alert you and eliminate threats from these zero-day activities, right? So you've rec recommended this to some of your clients. Uh, has it helped that you know of? Um, what's been the result? Um, I think people have been pretty happy with it. Um, it's hard to sort of quantify sometimes yeah. that, oh wow, this is an example of where that would be because mm -hmm. you are, you're right in the talking about, we're talking about day zero, day one events and the difference between one vendor coming up with a solution and the other can be measured in hours often minutes. I mean, yeah. it may be a 40 minute gap between the two, and it's really hard to quantify that, wow, something got inside our network in that 40 minute window. But, you know, when you're talking, you know, the purchase and the cost associated with it, buying from two vendors is not going to be a big delta cost wise. Um, so it's not a lot of risk, it's not a lot of extra cost for what seems to be a, you know, reasonable increase yeah. in protection. And I guess the only downside is that you now you're, you're managing two separate devices that may be Different styles different. of policy. Yeah, two management control yep. layers, two management systems, yeah. But mm. another thing, I mean, besides just uh, something like antivirus, where you're talking about a pure signature definition, when you look at um, some of our products or products from other vendors that are tackling security, like anti-malware, antivirus, I mean, usually a, a, a next-gen firewall thing from a vendor will do three out of five or four out of five other things. but. I'm finding that oftentimes they're missing a key component. So maybe by, you know, mixing and complementing where they're missing a piece of that, you've got a more comprehensive security solution. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. that that actually works well for actually even most of our Cisco products in that same next generation firewall content filtering, malware filtering type environment. You know, some do SSL decryption better than others, mm -hmm. while some do better malware detection. And like Jay mentioned, it's about stitching the two together to create a really comprehensive security policy and security setup for your network. And that's kind of what you're talking about there. Now, obviously we would like it if everything was a Cisco product, right? I mean, we carry the badge, but uh, <laughs> sometimes you're, you're basically building the solutions together and that works out as well. Yeah.
I think that's a good point. I like the approach that, you know, with antivirus, it's pretty easy to say, hey, it's exactly an apples to apples comparison. Yeah. We'll just double our our layer. We'll you know we'll have a slightly larger onion on the protection model. But I think you do bring up a good point that when you're looking at security appliances, that there's different levels. You know, there's SSL decryption, there's phone home type information, there's flat out attack, there's distributed denial of service, there's a lot of things in there. Reputation the, information, right? Yeah, exactly. so maybe the better thing to look at is, all right, we know Cisco does really, really well in these three categories. We're going to back it up with a second product. Let's make sure we're picking something that does really, really well in categories four and five, and exactly. we're not too concerned about one, two, and three, because we covered them with the, uh, with the bridge logo. So what are, you, uh, what are you up to the rest of the conference? We've got a few more days. You're going to see some other talks and go to the customer appreciation event? Um, I'm hoping to find time, but strange enough, people at the office still keep loading work on top of me. Yeah. So we will just have to see what happens there. Do you have any shout outs that you want to give to anyone back home? No, I'm kind of antisocial. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> no My kind of guy. I love Do it. a shout out to the entire internet. Internet. Yeah. <laughs> YOLO! <laughs> YOLO, Internet. Yeah. Well, thanks a whole lot, Brian. We really appreciate your very good question. And um, we look. Uh, we hope you enjoy the rest of the conference. Cool. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Appreciate right. your time Thank and you. your thoughts. All right. Thanks, Brian. All Take thanks. care. Have a good one. Okay, and we have a very special guest with us today on the Cisco Tax Security Podcast. We have Blair Christie, Chief Marketing Officer for Cisco. And uh, Blair, welcome to the show. And why don't you uh, tell us what you think is different about this year's Cisco Live versus other years? Sure. So thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure. I'm glad you guys checked me down. You know, um, what's interesting about this Cisco Live is actually a few things. First of all, it's our 25th Cisco Live event. And frankly, that sort of sets the tone for everything. And then when you uh, think about the fact that we're having it in our own backyard mm -hmm. in San Francisco, it really means a lot. Our very Thanks. first Cisco Live, which was the networkers, we called it then, was in 1989 in Palo Alto. We had about 200 people. And here we are 25 years later with almost 26,000 people joining us here in San Francisco, which again is a fantastic milestone. I think what's also different um, this time around is that we have really injected the voice of our customer. So in every keynote, whether it's main stage or off in the conference sessions, in every educational session, in our labs, whether it's a world of solutions with about 250 partners and customers or even our investments pavilion, everything that we're talking about, we are really using our customer's voice as a use case. And what I'm finding is that the participants and the attendees can relate even better. I mean, I, I think there's a tremendous amount of loyalty and engagement with Cisco ourselves, but to hear it from our customers, what they're doing, how they're doing it, and frankly, more importantly, how they're doing it right now, has been really powerful. Excellent, and uh, this year, the internet of everything is a real, uh, a real buzz. People are talking about it, but actually, we met some customers this morning in a Meet the Engineer session, uh, from Norway, and they're doing Internet of Things now. They're putting sensors on all the roads. I it, bet. It, it, it was just amazing to talk to them because it was it was tangible, it was real, and I guess next year at Cisco Live we'll have even more Internet of Everything uh, people doing that. So is, sure. how is that, um, how are we shaping this year's conference around Internet of Things and Internet of Everything? Sure, well, you know, last year at Cisco Live we teed up the vision of the future, and really what we talked about was that there's going to be another wave of the Internet. First, you know, we just, everybody got connected. And then all the processes went online. And then we had the social side of the internet. And this next wave is really the internet of everything. And we threw out amazing stats last year, like 50 billion things will be connected by 2020, another two and a half billion people. And I think what's happened now is a year later, technology has moved even faster than we expected. Um, applications exploded, even more than we expected. You see Facebook with 10 million uh, unique apps, and a couple years ago they had less than 500,000. So you're seeing all this technology, and our customers are actually figuring out how to use this real time. 
And what I, is also interesting over the past year, we've been co-creating and inventing and innovating with our customers real time as they've gone through all of this. So now, Everything is real. Everything is happening. Yeah, so we're normally you've got like everywhere. this three to five year life cycle. You know, you not happening. You start out with something, yep. and three to five years before it becomes a reality. But with the Internet of Things and the Internet, everything it's you know so fast. it's so fast. And as you said, we're co-developing a lot of these solutions as part of the Internet of Everything. It's amazing how fast things move. It's very much so. And I think our customers, you know, they're trying to figure out how their infrastructure can be a little more agile to connect and deal with applications, how they can move workloads across clouds. And we're delivering all of that today in a very innovative way. And I think we're just able to showcase what we can actually do. Not what we think is coming or prepare for, but what we can actually do. Excellent, very good. Well, do you have any shout outs for uh, anybody you want to? Oh, just the three guys I'm with right now is pretty nice. I'm pretty impressed. And uh, all 26,000 that are here and 200,000 online. It's hard to call any one individual out here because honestly, this is such a village. There are more Cisco employees here putting their hard uh, sweat and energy into making sure our customers get what they need. So I'm just, uh, I'm just very proud to be a part of Cisco. Awesome. Excellent. We are too. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much, Blair. Thank, Thank you yeah, for having you me. All right. Great, take care. Thank you.